0: Star.
1: I know Stuart Reynolds and I know Brittle Star.
0: The Adam Project's an amazing film. It's really, really enjoyable and uh, it's packed with the action and adventure and the wisecracking comedy that we've come to expect from your work. It's also surprising though, myself and my wife Shannon were watching it and really emotional parts, as mentioned uh, in the film as well, which you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm which reduced both myself and Shannon to puddles. (laughs) And I just want to to ask you a question. Uh, Do you enjoy making old people cry? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, That, welcome to Black Bold everybody. My name is James DeFiori, and that was Stuart Reynolds, a.k.a. Brittle Star, um just being his hilarious self. Uh, and I wanted to talk to him a little bit because there was, there was a, a moment this morning where I was like, okay, they're both Canadians. They both have the same last name. Stuart and Ryan Reynolds, are they related? Um, which would be awesome. And we're going to ask him right now as we welcome our guest. Stuart, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, by the way. No problem at all. I, I, I don't know whether to call you Brittle Brittle Star Stuart, what 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 do you like to be called it, during I movies mean, like this?
0: I I have uh, I answer to a lot of things, and actually, what's really funny is right before I came down to be on this uh, on your show, my wife started saying Stuart, Stuart. and I was like, I don't like it when you use my my name. But what do you call me normally? Is it like Ass Hat or something? Is that I I probably respond more to that maybe. What's funny yeah, about the Brittle married. Star thing, though? Well, exactly. What's funny about the Brittle Star thing is that uh, people who have known me for years. Uh, like even prior to the whole Brittle Star thing, now just refer to me as Brittle Star or Brit, which is just, hey, oh. Brit, which is just, I mean, I didn't ask for that,
1: but it's fine. Yeah. I'll answer to anything, whatever you want. I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you Stuart, if that's okay. Okay, yeah. sure, it, that's it's, fine. It's just, yeah, um, but everyone knows you as Brittle Star, uh, and and I've read a couple things, but um, really, instinctively, it's not that hard to figure out. You're one of those people who who had a presence before the pandemic, but for all of the downside that this pandemic has shown our society, you're one of those people, and and to a much lesser extent, I am as well, one of these people who kind of got to work when the pandemic started and sort of found their niche um, due to circumstances beyond our control. Is that fair? Yeah,
0: I mean, I think in a weird way, uh, you know, the pandemic was horrible for lots of reasons. But I mean, um, what was weird for us is that, that first week of the pandemic, so two years ago, essentially two years ago to this week, we lost like a year's worth of business. Which meant like we had a bunch of branded content stuff and all that kind of stuff that just like just disappeared into the ether. And then it kind of, we panicked. And then it kind of slowly came back, little bits here and there. But then what, what became really evident was the idea that because I created and produced and edited and published content for my house, it was kind of like, okay, well, n- nothing's changed there for me. I just have to keep doing that. So I kind of like sort of stepped on the gas a little bit and uh, I mean, we've been really, really fortunate and it's been, it's also nice to use a platform for good as well.
1: Yeah. And you've been at this for almost a decade, right? You've been doing um, uh, yeah. online content. What What is your career trajectory like? Like where were you 20 years ago and what were you doing? <laughs> career.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. um, I, I mean, I thought I was the, the tw- only one that would air quote career, but I guess not. Okay. So, do you say
0: 20 years ago? That's fascinating. I've
1: never been asked Yeah, I'm just years curious ago. what you were doing. Like I, I just yeah, I, I like to understand how someone got to where they were because I know that sure. I took the road less traveled and it's not a normal story. So, I just want to know, you know, like say say at the turn of the millennium, what were you doing? And and how did you get end up doing what you're doing now?
0: Yeah, so like in 1998, we started a business uh primarily because I'd, I'd always essentially been self-employed since I was 19 I did like uh, I was a jingle writer and jingle producer like for radio um, which I did on my own in my parents basement and um, and then when I moved out I continued that job which was great um, and then in the, the sort of 1998 uh, Shannon and I were expecting our first child and um, we actually had a conversation we're like well you know, it'd be really nice if we're both home for this, for this baby, that'd be great. We should just start a business. So we basically sort of thought about what we wanted to do and then found something I was interested in, which happened to be like internet-based because it was certainly a big boom time for that. And, uh, so we, we started our business in 98 and then that business lasted for 10 years. And, um, and then there was like five years of absolute pain and (laughs) depression and then uh and then it all and then it turned into this so that's easy that's the formula right there success wheels (laughs) come off collapse five years of serious depression followed by nine years of
1: hilarity yeah (laughs) that is a good form you should could you should do online classes like the master (laughs) class right (laughs) exactly this is this is what you do
0: kids set up a business wait for it to collapse. Then yeah, be destitute and hope to God someone invents an app. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> because people were like, there was a lot of people trying to do online content back in the day. And um, wh- what I found is that like, I had friends that were doing um, like silly little um cartoons for like joke sites. Yeah. You know, like, like, and stuff like that. But they were making like at the time, like, you know, 150 grand a year. And I'm like, crazy i'm confused how do you monetize this stuff like how 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 does this content be make money for you well there's a and there's a different there's a few different ways
0: that it that it happens as far as monetization goes i mean there's the obvious one which is monetization on youtube Um, but that that's so random amounts of money there's a million factors involved in the algorithm that decides uh or the formula that decides how much you get paid per video one video that has a million views might make 300 bucks and another time it'll make three thousand dollars um so there's lots of things at play as far as that goes but i mean for us the way we determined we can make money uh was that back in 2013 we were on vine and uh our the, we got we got a couple, some success we had some success on vine and like three sort of really big viral videos and um then Disney contacted us and we're like, well, if you want to make some videos for us, we'll pay you and then we'll fly down to California and you can have a good time with your family. And right. I was like, this is crazy. And then we literally down in California during that event, we spoke to a bunch of their content creators. We're like, what do you do? What's your job? And they were like this. And then my wife and I, Shannon and I had another conversation, much like in 98. And we're like, I think we could do this. I think we could like this. Like I would like to spend more time with the kids. I would like to travel and I would like to not have to eat lentils every single day.
1: So that would be, let's do Jesus. this. Your wife would like it if you didn't have to eat lentils every single day too. <laughs> I imagine. <Yeah. laughs> How many kids do you have? Uh, two, two
0: children, two, uh, two boys. Yeah, they're uh, 20 and 23 now. So they're they're no longer oh. cute. Unfortunately, yeah. they're <laughs> yeah. they're just they're just other people yeah. now.
1: They're, uh, they're draining money. Are they in school though? Like, did they end up going to post-secondary and all that?
0: Yeah. They're both in media production at Ryerson actually. So, uh, in Toronto and, um, it's, uh, it's been great because they, the younger one has also, uh, his job is social media content creator as well. He's got a very big following on TikTok and does branded deals and all that kind of speaking gigs is most recently his, his thing, which is great. And then the older one is much more involved in production and, uh, and is like an award-winning podcast producer. So that's pretty great. So hopefully I won't have to work
1: forever. I'll just be able to be incontinent and have them take care of me. Yeah, I would say my son is seven and I've been, uh, for the last two months I've been, I've been teaching him how to say the following, a loser on the lame, a little Italy, literally a little league legend at 11, allegedly. And he can say it now exactly like that. And my goal. Is to get him to be like the first under age ten rapper who can do tongue twist raps, so mm-hmm. that I can also live off of his. Um, I think
0: that's success. I think it's I think a good idea. I think if you look yeah. at you know hockey dads who send their kids into hockey, I think oh. making your kid learn rap god is just as important, which is good. it's
1: true. And if they fuck up, you you just give them a little shot. You know, like they, they'll <laughs> they'll take it like a. Like ch- no, I would never do that. Um, Don't fact, do that. In fact, my kids, I, my kids hit me. <laughs> um, it's funny because I used to get woken up every morning with a dr- with a leg drop, like like the Hogan oh, wow. finishing move. Yeah, yeah. by my da- yeah. By my daughter. Yeah. Luckily, she's like really tiny. Um, and right. so it would almost be fun waking up like that. And then my son, um, decided that he wanted to smack everyone's bum in the house. Okay.
0: Yeah. He yeah.
1: wasn't aware though that when you walk up behind a male, you got to have yeah. it. You- you got to aim for a cheek. Well,
0: you got to Yeah, you can't min- go. You, no, you can't goose. You can't goose no. or you're going to have a handful. And that's, yeah. No.
1: And it yeah. was it, I tried to explain it to him. And he's like, Daddy, it doesn't hurt me when Lizzie hits me on that part of the bum. And I'm like, son, <laughs> there are so many caveats <laughs> to try to explain to you right now as to why what you just said is not relevant <laughs> to my experience. But um, anyways, yeah. Listen, I, I think what you're doing, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your work. And, and, and one of the main reasons that I, I love what you do so much is because when you play different characters, you have been able to hone your style so well that you don't really have to play different characters. <laughs> Does that make yeah.
0: sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's kind me, of, you can please give me ahead. an example. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go I was
1: going to give you an example really quickly because this is one of my favorite ones. So I'm going to just play this right now. Well, the villains in the new Raiders of the Lost Ark movie have finally been announced.
0: Nope. Oh, wait, that's not the right story. Man hoping to get people to vote for him to be Prime Minister, which isn't even possible, Pierre Paulievre, has said in a recent video posted to social media that Prime Minister Trudeau should follow Saskatchewan's lead and legalize smiling. Listen. I know there's a lot going on in Ukraine, but it's nice to finally talk about the real suffering happening right here in Canada. Of course, I'm kidding, and I hope Mr. Polyever is too, because everyone knows smiling is a provincial issue. In a video posted on social media, Mr. Polyever demonstrated what can only be described as WGPTBO energy. That's white guy pretending to be Oprah energy by whipping a maskless crowd into a frenzy about having to wear masks. I'm not going to say that complaining about having to wear masks, like it's some sort of tyrannical plot against your freedom like the sneeze guards at Subway, comes across a little privilegy, but I do think it provides a pretty good indicator of the freedoms we currently enjoy in Canada. in the midst of an ongoing pandemic that has cost millions their lives and thousands their jobs and businesses, your biggest complaint is about having to wear a mask at Sobeys so you don't accidentally make someone who hasn't been vaccinated yet very ill, and it's been over two years of this, so really, what don't you understand yet? You may already be, in fact, free. And very, very not smart. Freedom isn't no rules, that's anarchy. We all hate masks. We'd all be happy if we didn't have to wear them. Except for outside in winter in Canada because it's like a removable beard that keeps your face warm. And they'll never take that away from me because freedom. We look forward to Mr. Polyevra tackling other pressing issues that threaten Canada's freedom, like why aren't shamrock shakes available year round? And more importantly, was Jerome the giraffe from the Friendly Giant just a tool for the woke left?
1: It's always you. that wasn't the greatest example. The best examples are the ones where you play like the American and the Canadian who live side by side, and it's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, America, oh hey canada and and it's like you, I, I don't I just don't know many entertainers and or comedians or whatever um that have been able to to sort of like harness only themselves. <laughs> When they, they I mean, it's kind of out of
0: necessity, right? Because I mean, I'm, I'm not the greatest actor in the world. I don't know if you know that or not, but I'm not. I I think um, you're
1: brilliant because of your. Well, I appreciate that, that. that, really. Um, Yeah,
0: but I mean, I, I, uh, one of the things when we started doing social media content creation as like a full time gig, and really kind of leading into it, one of the things that was evident to me was that I was going to have to make a lot of content. And I would do characters initially, and I was like, oh, I, don't know, I can't keep this up. One, because I suck at it, and then two, because it's tiring. So why don't I just be myself? I'll just take a leaf out of like Jack Nicholson or Leo DiCaprio's or Jennifer Aniston's book and be like, ah, I'm just, this is what you get. And God, right. I hope you like me. So that's kind of like been the, that's been my M.O. is just kind of been, be a slightly exaggerated version of myself in any direction.
1: Ryan Reynolds is sort of like that. Like he's kind of a totally. dude and yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's and, obviously taken that idea from me. So yeah, clearly, <laughs> no, like, you know, no. I don't know.
1: <laughs> um, do you like, are you friends with people like that? Like, is, are they just people that, that know you from your online work?
0: I mean, it's a, there's a really weird mix of people. Uh, I mean, I, I Ryan and I only kind of know each other. It's, it was really nice. when We filmed that thing that you showed at the top of the show. Um, it that was the first time we'd met in person. Um, so it was nice to actually meet, which was good. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he didn't go, who the hell are you? Which is nicer. Um, (laughs) and, uh, but I mean, there's like really weird things. Like I find that that's one of the cool parts about being on social media and creating content in social media is that if it gets spread out quite wide, you have these interesting people. Like, you know, you've got like, I've got like you know, like Ben Stiller or something or, or Yvette Nicole Brown or something where it's like, this is weird. These people are even aware of my existence. That's pretty cool. Uh, but I don't yeah. know if we're,
1: I mean, Friends is a big jump. So, Yeah, Um, Gerald Butts blocked me, so I know he knows who I am, <laughs> right? So it's nice. <laughs> you don't block someone unless you know them.
0: Oh, that's a shame. That's too bad. Gerald's got some funny stuff sometimes.
1: Yeah, he's okay. Like, you know what's weird is that we live in such polarized times, right? Like, and I don't really, mm. I don't really pick a side and that's not my way of saying that both sides are equal and on every issue, yeah, yeah. we should all have the same. Sure. but I don't really like either side all that much. I, <laughs> I'm just, you know, not, I'm not a fan of people who stick a flag somewhere and no matter what the issue is, they just run back to yeah. the flag and they hold on for dear life. And it's weird because, um, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people about how, I feel, I've, all, I've always sort of felt like I checked all the big boxes when it comes to being like a progressive, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm anti-war. Um, right. I believe in man-made climate change. Mm-hmm. I believe in a societal safety net. Um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of identity politics because I find mm-hmm. that it gets a little bit too in the weeds and, um, and people search not for context but for keywords, and and once you yeah. start searching for keywords and you say the wrong keyword, even if it's unbeknownst to you, your 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 day's ruined because you get a big mob of people telling you how horrible you are. And and those are the kind of things that, and I think that is really the linchpin that has made um, people who thought they were left reconsider what they might be. Um, and because I think most of us land in the middle. And I was just wondering, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? On on where people land, or where people think they land, and all that kind of thing on the political spectrum.
0: A couple of things jump to mind. I mean, one is the, like, I understand the necessity in Canadian politics to have uh, a party system. I get it. Uh, and, And that's just how things move forward. Um but i think that that's i, I always apply the groucho marx rule right like I, people are like well you're being biased you're just a liberal tool or something you're and it's like no i've never been a par- member of any political party i have no intention of being a member of any political party and i have zero intention of getting into politics cause it sounds like the most god-awful job in the world um, right. and I just really don't care enough about people to actually do it well. And, uh, it's, uh, so that's you know, it's the Groucho Marx rule of like, I wouldn't belong to any club that would consider me as a member would have me as a member. Um, so I think that there's a problem, like, you know, there's, what's interesting is, uh, there's a couple things. One is that you're right. There's like a key, it's like almost like keyword politics identity, especially with social media is people are desperate for some some black and whiteness to an issue. They want to have, like, the contrast. They want to turn the contrast up as much as possible so they know that they're doing, you know, the right thing or that they're on the, on the right team or something. And mm-hmm. I think that that was, you know, I think that was kind of spurred on, uh, you know, when we watched what happened in 2016 in the U.S. Um, and watching, you know, Trump and all that kind of stuff come up and the QAnon people coming up. And you sort of thought, I remember looking at it going, uh, I don't particularly want to care about the U S politics whatsoever, but this sort of is now venturing beyond just policies. This looks like it's beyond policy and now it's gone to like just plain old rights and wrongs now. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think it's foolish to be like, you know, like, especially in Canada, it doesn't matter where you are, even if say stay in the States, uh, um, I think it's foolish to be like, the Democrats can do no wrong, the Republicans can do no right, and vice versa. It's like, well, that's just not the case, uh, because it's just a group of people. I mean, you can't—that's the nature of being a human, is that just because you're in the same club doesn't mean you're all going to do the right thing. Um, So, I mean, that's—you're it's. right. I think that identity politics politics thing is horrible. I mean, even— What's his face? Uh, uh, what's his name? Travis from CBC. Travis Dinarish. Is that his name? Oh, CTV. Yeah, yeah. CTV. And, um, and him asking question the about... question. Yeah. To yeah. yeah. You know, what's is the is the prime minister just here for a photo op? And it's like from. I mean, for to me, my personal opinion of that question was kind of like, well, that's a stupid question because this is where this is a huge deal, and
1: yeah.
0: even if it is, even if there is a photo, there's opportunity a war there, going on. Yeah, there's a war going on, man. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you're a journalist. You're allowed to ask questions. They could be stupid as all hell, and if they're stupid, you'll probably end up getting a chance to ask less questions next time because they're too stupid.
1: Yeah. Um yeah. So it's or not in a his big case. deal. In his case, would, that's a very good example because w- what happened after that was he kept on sort of quoting his own tweet and he kept on talking about how people are giving him a hard time and then he would post yeah. it again and talk about how people are giving him a hard time and I just tweeted to him yesterday, maybe stop talking about it. <laughs> you know? I know and it's I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, I mean
0: I've been certainly, uh, I don't envy a, a journalist either right now as well because of that exact reason where he was getting harassed and threatened and it's like, If you think it's a stupid question, whatever, man, just let it go. Forget about it. Don't, it's definitely, you can't harass people for doing that kind of thing. You don't harass journalists uh, or threaten them. That's for sure. Um, But at the same time, I mean, it's a weird thing. I mean, I've, I've received lots of hate and lots of, uh, you know, negative stuff slung my way and it's super easy to, oh yeah, it's super easy to get caught up in that notion that you have to get into a dialogue with people. You have to push it. I mean, it's happened recently with someone I know who's a content creator, and they uh, were getting tons of abuse and about something they had said, and uh, it was kind of like, well, you, like my opinion would have been, just, just drop it, man. Just like leave it, because you have zero obligation to get into a dialogue with anybody on social media, so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, everybody who's smart is looking at it going, eh. I, I yeah. kind of agree, whatever, who cares, whatever, you know, That's a, but it's all the weirdos and the whack jobs who are out there who are like, uh, vaccines, right? For, oh, and it wasn't even vaccines. It wasn't even, it was about, it was about Ukraine and, uh, yeah. it's just really bizarre. And it's just like, ah, you guys are fighting for the sake of fighting. And this this person I know just wouldn't let it go and it ended up becoming a huge deal. And and it was like, oh, man, like just it's never worth it. It's That notion that you have to get into a dialogue with people on social media, that's an instilled notion that we have been trained to do over the past 10 years of like engage, click like, comment, all that kind of stuff. You don't have to do any of that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's that whole thing about like everyone's opinion is valuable and it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's just not. Your opinion yeah. is not informed and you're a little crazy. So, well, you know, I, I always think it's like when you walk through a bar and you're going through a bar
0: and somebody at the be past someone on the way to the bathroom it says something stupid at you and you're like Okay, should I waste the rest of my night by getting into a dialogue with this person, or should I recognize the fact that this person's going to probably soil themselves for the next hour and be barfing up back, and I'll just let it go? I'll be fine,
1: <laughs> you know. Maybe if you get lucky, when he falls down, his cocaine will fall out. You know, you can have <laughs> a bit of, bit of a party on his, at his expense. He won't even don't be do the that, wiser. kids. Don't do that. No, don't, don't, do don't, don't trust me. Woo, do not do that. That was a rough period in my entire thirties. <laughs> <laughs> right before this show i hope not no 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 i stopped that's it. good i stopped drinking a couple of years like two years really three months ago yeah um mm-hmm. as a way um well at the time as a way to prove my wife wrong who told me that i could never stop drinking so so like, well, yeah that's all right yeah you want to see me get rid of a 20-year habit just because you said <laughs> that i'll do it uh, and I did it. Um, and, and I found that with, uh, and also with that, um, with alcohol was, all, I don't know why I'm doing, why I'm taking this left turn, but anyway, right. alcohol was all, always that sort of first domino. So yeah. it was like, if, if I'm drunk, then I'd probably do cocaine, but if I'm sober, I, I, I definitely wouldn't. It was one of those right. things. Um, so what replaced all of the drinking and, and the drug use and everything was crippling anxiety. So oh, it was, it's like, so, yes, I'm what, what, what are these? Th- oh, feelings. Oh my goodness. <laughs> feeling all of the shit that's happened my whole life. And, um, yeah, it's one of those things. I don't know if you've, uh, you've ever gone down the road of drinking way too much and then adding a whole bunch of other stuff to it. But yeah, it's, uh,
0: it's, yeah, interesting...
1: I've been f- fairly fortunate, I
0: think in that, um, I mean, I have, there's elements to my personality that are, I tend towards like addictiveness, um yeah. and uh I know that my wife won't let me gamble at all only because of one trip we took oh. a, to a casino and when I we were like twenty four and I was like, Yeah, but this time ride. it's gonna work. This time yeah. it's gonna work. And she's like, You're crazy. We're leaving and never coming back. And it's like, This is a good idea. Um <laughs> I've lost I mean, twelve I have... <laughs>
1: pounds in the last ten minutes <laughs> exactly. because of the sweat
0: coming from my forehead. Exactly. Yeah. Um but I mean I think that uh, I've been fortunate in the sense that it, you know, is uh drinking hasn't been uh, i haven't i've never been a, a a binge drinker i've never been like a, let's get hammered drinker i've always been kind of like uh yeah i am gonna have a couple beers it's gonna be good and then mm-hmm. i'm gonna go home and that, <laughs> that'll be up? it where did i grow up yeah uh in stratford ontario right where right where um, we moved back to yeah exactly oh, perfect
1: yeah so you're so a small uh, town so, so, yeah stratford i mean stratford is is I've never actually been there. Um, And I've always wanted to go just to go see the theater because um, a lot of people Mm -hmm. that I know used to go like every year. And then um, I guess Justin Bieber is your most famous export. Um, Well, is he someone that, like, yes, the second most famous export, (laughs) Justin Bieber, next to Brittle Star, of course. Um, Exactly. He's a fixture, though, sometimes there, isn't he? And like you guys are kind of used to having him around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I I
0: think, you know, Justin, first of all, uh, Justin always got a hard time. Um, and I remember him busking outside the theater before he went down to Georgia and all that kind of stuff and, and to Atlanta and, uh, you know, like he just knew he was crazy talented, um, and just phenomenally talented kid. And he, uh, you know, I always think if when he was 19, I think it was, he was worth $65 million. And I thought, man, if I was 19 and worth $65 million, you wouldn't see me for dust. I'd be gone i'd be you'd buying things doing things whatever whereas he came back he would he would like do shows and like donate money to the food bank and help uh people in town and and you know like all this kind of stuff where it's like you he doesn't have to do any of that stuff but he would come back and you know it was really fun when he was dating selena gomez it like brought her back and went to like you know madeline's Pubs. diner which is a great diner and uh nice but just like places he would go as a kid where he's like, you got to come see this. It was really weird to be like, Hey, there's Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez in Madeline's front window. That's weird.
1: So yeah, yeah. cool. I think Justin Bieber is like one of the most talented human beings on the planet. Like, I mean, yeah, it, like when he, when he first, before he became famous, I remember seeing his YouTube videos. This must've been just right on the cusp or whatever, yeah. just before he sort of became famous. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like I, I kind of wanted not to like him because when I was young, sure. Um, yeah, it was New Kids on the Block and stuff, like boy bands mm-hmm. and everything. And like my um, my music was like, I only listened to hip hop. And so like, I used to just like constantly harass the girls in my school for liking New Kids on the Block. I'm like, they're awful, blah, blah, blah. And so I had a weird reflex when Justin Bieber, when I first discovered him and I had to actually like, tell myself to shut the fuck up because this kid <laughs> it was talented. Like, he could play guitar, he could play piano, he could sing, he could yeah. rhyme, he could dance, he could do all of these yeah. amazing things. Um, uh, you know, and and Jesus, if I had $65 million uh, when I was 19, I would have been dead in a week. There's no question.
0: <laughs> no, right? <laughs> I can't imagine that kind of pressure, right? Like, the pressure to be able to do whatever you want would have been insane. But yeah, no, Dude, he's I'd a still be dead.
1: If anyone's out there wants to give me $65 million, don't, because I'll be dead. <laughs> I still right, but
0: you should give it to me. If you're looking to give $65 million away, I would last at least two weeks I, I uh, at this age now. I will definitely keep that in mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so I, I joked with an email um, that when, when I asked you to come on about how um, – um, and I'm not really truly uh, – ch- well, I Okay. I'm trying to create characters for um, to to launch my TikTok account because okay, I've been sure. avoiding I've been avoiding TikTok like the plague. yeah um, because can't. I just feel as soon as I saw Jagmeet saying shuffle and jive I was like I can't fucking I I can't do this. You know, like <laughs> I'm too old for this or something, you know. But um I got some go- so you are the expert as far as I'm concerned of like creating characters to get a sort of a political satir- satirical point across. <clears throat> um I'm a little less subtle, so I, did yeah. want, I wanted to play the very first Sergeant oh, yeah. Cletus video that I okay. uh, I'm not sure if you've I'm seen ready. this or not because it was on YouTube. And right. um, so I have two videos. I'm going to show you the first one. And yeah, I please. want you to be, like, brutal, okay? okay. E- e- brutally honest right, brutal. no matter what. Okay, here we go. And, okay. and he's, a, he's a supporter of the convoy, as you soon see. Okay.
2: Oh, hey. How's it going? I just want to tell everybody that the trucker convoy 2022 and there's a hashtag in front of it. It's a, called a hashtag. hashtags, not a hash brown, Randy. Not a hash brown, bud. And we just want to let Lenny and Terry and Brian. And Brian, I know you're pissed at me, man. I owe you a couple of oxys, but, but I got them, buddy. I, I'm going to put them in my ass because... I don't want any of Trudeau's stormtroopers to come and get me. So, but listen, we'll meet you at Rideau Canal and um, we'll, we'll, we'll break out some rye and some beer and then we'll take over the government, man. This is so sweet, man. All right, peace, man. All right.
1: It's a work in progress. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's it's fantastic. <laughs> I I I I I don't have any training
0: as you may have guessed. Who does? Who does these days?
1: But it's so much fun. Like this is why I admire you so much because like what I what you just saw is like a bastardized version of what you do and it's your job.
0: Like Yeah, yeah, no, I'm like crazy lucky to be able to do it. I mean I think I mean that was great. I enjoyed that. It was really funny. I mean the thing is with especially the, the notion you have to keep in your head with social media and digital media in general is that it's like the the means of production are so cost effective they're they're almost negligible. You mm-hmm. probably already have a phone with a camera and a video capabilities and audio capabilities, and and it's like you've got a TV studio in your pocket and a TV network in your pocket. You can just distribute that thing out to millions of people, and, which right. is phenomenal. And I think the the key to remember is that you you just the only way you can turn something into something that's a commodity or saleable or marketable is by continually doing it. Um, it's the train's got to be leaving the station. You're never going to be, it's not like you're going to get to a magic point where you're like, okay, good. Now it's ready. It's ready to take yeah. it out to the masses and people are going to love it. Cause it doesn't matter what yeah. you do. Someone's going to think it's crap and someone's going to think it's genius. Um, so just keep creating, just keep doing stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. It's, it's um, uh, you, you, I, I don't want to overstate this, but like, I am truly inspired. Like I go every day to see if you have posted something new oh, and wow. I look at it Thank and, you. And, 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 and I really do because I think, again, like, I don't think there's a lot of people that can do what you do. I'm certainly a person that, um, wouldn't attempt to do it the way that you do it because of the ambiguity behind your characters. Like it, mm. the, my favorite one, <clears throat> I don't have it queued up. Uh, I've had a lot of issues trying to upload videos today, but, um, the where you're swimming outside of the I think it's the Titanic. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> right like, outside
1: that must have been so much fun to film because <laughs> literally you're just like, um, it's the
0: worst <laughs> swimming action ever. It's green screened. I'm doing <laughs> this and it's it cuts, cuts off across the arms. Yeah. I realize I have to keep my hands up. and I'm just sort of pushing the air to the side,
1: yeah. And it's you like treading water beside you as you talk to both of you. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, man. Like, I, did you have to come to uh, the realization that, hey, instead of trying to play other characters, I'm just going to constantly be me, tweak it like 6% so I can put on an, a slight American accent here and there? But otherwise, it's like, did someone have to tell you to do that? Or were you just like, I think I'm just going to be me the whole time and that's going to be hilarious in and of itself? I think it for, for myself,
0: it became uh, evident that – The wilder I made the characters, the less convincing they were, and it became more about the wildness of the character and less about what I was saying, like with the actual message or the content or whatever. I think I'm in that stage
1: right now. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, but say, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, please, please. Here's here's my second, and again, guys, uh, for people who are listening and watching, I. This is not braggadocious time for James. This is like, this is like walking up to Mr. Miyagi and showing him my front kick. So just hold on. One second. Hey
2: everybody, how you doing? This is Sergeant Cletus. And now I just want to reiterate what was said at the convoy just yesterday when they were talking about Justine Trudeau, and what they were saying was that he's got a mind of a 22. And the world's like a 357 Magnum. <laughs> That's right. Hold on, hold on one second. Randy. Randy, buddy, you don't have to drink out of the jerry can. Not, Not out of the jerry can. There's a bottle right there with gasoline in it for you, bud. Anyways, now we're back and we're never going to leave, man. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And and what we're going to do by the end of it all is that we're going to put this coronavirus on ice. <laughs> uh.
1: The Krusty the Clown.
0: Side I like the, I like uh, how uh, Sergeant Cletus. I like how he's uh, nervous. I like how he's a ner- he's like he he wants to be confident, but just he, yeah. it just as a nugget in the core of his being, it's like I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's why he talks to Randy off camera because Randy is obviously a lot more <laughs> fucked up than he is. <laughs> so he, he is, feels an he, obligation to Randy. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, but this th- this past year has really like especially that convoy. Th- th- there's there's a lot to be a little bit concerned about. There's so mm. much to laugh at. Like, oh my
0: God. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think they, that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those situations. It's the cliche, right. Of like, if you don't, if you don't laugh, you'll cry, uh, because there's so much stuff happening. There's a really great, uh, comedian, Matthew green in in the UK who did a, uh, he posted a clip from one of his standup sets and he was like, it was really nice how we went from pestilence to war, wasn't it? That was great. Wasn't it? That's sort of the there's no transition. It's literally to the day. It's like COVID ended on the 24th and then it, boom, the war started right away. Um, yeah. so I mean, you you there's a ridiculousness to that. Ridiculousness to that. And there's a ridiculousness to life in general, right? I think that's kind of the that's that's the thing. if you can tap into that, people are like, oh, yeah, it is ridiculous. I can take a breather now. There's some comic relief, which is good. So it's really important to be able to do that, I think.
1: Where do you think our media um, comes into play when it comes to how ridiculous things can be these days? Like, Again, like the yeah. Fox News is aside because um, they're they're easily actually that's a, let me rephrase the, the it's easy to identify Fox News as like an obvious problematic network. Like it's mm-hmm. just. It, it, it's, it spews like a lot of uh, things that aren't factual. It's, it's very ideological, obviously. It's a conservative, like hardcore conservative network. Um, what I think people have trouble with is, is identifying the other side of media mm-hmm. and w- w- how it's ridiculous because it's not ridiculous in the exact same way as Fox
2: News. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So, um, you know, like if you, I'm gonna use the American network as an example because it's the easiest one. Uh, MSNBC spent um, most of the end of the Obama years chastising the intelligence agencies and people who led them because of things like the Snowden revelations and so mm-hmm. they were like they were they were openly saying things like you know perhaps James clapper belongs in prison for lying to a Senate committee about whether or not um, Americans were being spied on by their by their intelligence agencies mm-hmm. and then when Trump got into office they were they, they had him as a as a contributor mm-hmm. yeah. and never questioned anything <laughs> he said <laughs> You know, and, and and it's that kind of ridiculousness that people are not um, are not really attuned to because they 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 define Fox News as ridiculous. So they're like, well, there's nothing on the left that's like Fox News, but it's just mm. a different style of ridiculousness, isn't it? Oh, for sure it is. I mean, I think that it
0: goes to the like when you think about television news specifically. Actually, a TV or newsprint, um, it's. Uh, very much the if it bleeds it leads it's meaning like it it doesn't matter whatever sensational that will make make people you know linger longer on the newspaper or will make them stay longer on the tv channel i mean that's that's kind of what they want because they want to make sure that they can sell ad time and i mean that's just part of business it's just kind of it really it's kind of like with the uh you know um Covering, let's I mean, say, the trucker convoy or something like, but the occupation in Ottawa or at the Ambassador Bridge or out in you know Manitoba or wherever. Um, it's like, this is a very, very small minority. It's still an important story to cover. It doesn't require maybe that much coverage because it, impact-wise, it's, it's big. Um, but we've kind of, we don't need to like hear from them because we know it's the wrong thing. Uh, but at the mm-hmm. same time, they need to, uh, there's an obligation for the news to cover that stuff. But at the same time, if it's exciting and people watch it, then they're going to cover more of it. To me, from a social media perspective, I mean, I have a really big issue with algorithms. i I think that algorithms are are uh, you know the reason that we're kind of in this mess with social media and disinformation as it is because I mean, disinformation's always been out there. Like I've been on online since ninety two, and you could go on Usenets and find whatever you want, any kind of thing you wanted, but you had to go look for it. As opposed to, uh, you know, um, happening to – it would be like if in 1992 I went to a Usenet about, uh, I don't know, UFO crash lands in Saskatchewan. And then I would see nothing else after that ex- except for UFOs crashing everywhere. And I'd be like, God, it's happening everywhere. The whole – this is what's going on now. <laughs> Look, yeah. it's everywhere. It's all over the Usenet. And of course, that wasn't the case. I'd have to keep go looking for this information. And I think the problem is you've got people who are, who see something about like right now, it's the, the bio labs in Ukraine and, and, yeah. uh, and it's like, there's, there's bio labs there, but this has been explained before a million times when you search for that stuff. And then the, the algorithm's like, oh, we got, here's some more crazy stuff we can show you check this out. Yeah. And then you believe that's all there is. I mean, the big thing recently for me is on Twitter with the home feed and the latest tweets on your app. Yeah. At the top, there's a home feed, which is algorithmically curated to what it thinks you'll like and also tweets that you might have missed. So yeah. tweets you might have missed, good service in a sense that you might have missed something, you know, from a few days ago or whatever. That's whatever if you want to explore some more stuff. But the algorithmic portion of it, it's like it's a, it's night and day between your latest tweets from people you follow and home and that you can go to home and think, oh, God, it's all happening. Like this is the end of the world. This is really, really terrible. Until you yeah. step away from that and go, oh, wait a minute. That's not the accurate picture. That's just kind of what it thinks I want to see, which I do not want to see. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Cundall, and everyone at my company, the sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at
1: soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Yeah, the I am 100 percent with you. I've talked about that on, on Dean Blundell's podcast a bunch of times about the algorithm is really the enemy. Like it it wasn't even a necessary tool. You know what? It was it was a necessary tool for um YouTube. And for Facebook and Twitter to to keep us divided, but it didn't do shit for my viewing pleasure. Like I I, I don't no. hit the sidebar ever anymore. There's no rabbit hole for me to go down to that makes sense. It's all a repeat yeah. of what I've just watched, just packaged differently.
0: Yeah, I mean I I mean YouTube uh, YouTube's kind of a special case because they're not a social media platform. They're a video. A distribution site um, and a search engine, um, so they they had a better need for algorithms. But at the same time, I mean, there's better ways to do what they do, um, and I mean it, it was they they actually YouTube actually flew me down to California about five years ago um, to take part in this like talk and meetings about how they wanted to encourage me to build my YouTube subscriber base and and invest more time in youtube and um they're really lovely they're really great but then like one of, the, one of the, the guys said to me there listen i love i'd done a series called world's most and it was like maybe seven videos or something that i had made i really tried hard on them and stuff and just interesting sort of trivia things like world's most expensive treehouse really weird stuff <laughs> uh like nonsensical silly stuff and um and so i did that and uh and when I was down there, they said to me, we love the world's most serious. It's amazing. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys have watched it? Because I was going like 300 views a video at the time on those things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for watching. Like, We think if you want to do really, really well, if you want to take a look at the trending, maybe if you did something on slime, because slime was really big at the time, do something on making like homemade <laughs> slime. I'd be like, what? what? You want me to just like not do my show and do something else instead? Yeah, like do the stuff that people are already looking for. I was like, well, as a creator, that's like zero interest to yeah. in me. You know, that idea of like, it's very industry, it's a very industry-focused way of looking at it. It's like the music industry saying, this song is a breakout hit that came out of nowhere and sounds like nothing else. Let's make fifty more songs that sound just like it.
1: Um, yeah,
0: you know, it's that idea. It's
1: it's it's funny, um, and it's funny that you use uh, music as a um, as sort of analogy for that. A friend of mine was a hip hop producer, and uh, a guy from Universal, I think it was. Um, called him up and was like, listen, all right, you're in the big time now. You gotta program uh, a single for Britney Spears. And he was Amazing. like stoked. This was like 15 yeah. years ago or something. And, um, and and the guy with the, I think it was an A&R, maybe it was a producer, but he was like, but listen, I know you're a hip hop guy, but I don't want you to make this like a totally hip hop track. <laughs> and, the, and my buddy was like, okay. And then he's like, and then James, you know what I did? And I'm like, got the dirtiest hip hop beat you could find and send that to him. He's like, exactly. And they took it. And he called them and he was like, thank you for not making yeah. it to hip hop. And and yeah. everybody's like, it's the most hip hop thing I've ever sent to anyone. <laughs> and yeah. so, it, the the what's interesting about that is that um, I think sometimes uh, the the people in the know. Um, you know, they, they give advice like that, like content advice like that. And, um, and you probably could have turned around the next day and did something that you wanted to do. And it could have gotten like a few hundred thousand clicks and it had nothing to yeah. do with his advice. Right. Like he yeah. wanted you to be able to take like what was hot that day, make a quick video, flush it out because the SEO would still sort of complement whatever it was that you were releasing.
0: Yeah. I think there's also that notion that, uh, especially anything that's related to media and the arts. And they want to they want to uh, monetize that and quantify that. I mean, business works best when you've got projectionable uh, numbers and bottom lines. You know what's going to happen. Do this. Do this. Do this. You get this. And uh, of course, that's just not how it works. I mean, I think that sometimes it works like that. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's from a creative perspective. It's like, well, people are just going to get tired of me. And move on to somebody who is brave enough to do something original instead, like um, something about slime. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, I mean, at the same time, it's just I mean, I, I think there's there's people that we know that we're friends with who have been creators since like when we started, who have made millions of dollars by doing just that by being like, I don't, ca- I have no desire to make anything creative to me, I just want to do what people want and I will just sell them that. And they've done really, really well. And I don't have any, I mean, there's obviously a little bit of bitterness there, Um, (laughs) but at at the same time, it's like, if you can do that, great. I would love to be able to do that, but I just can't, I can't get my head around that idea of as someone who's trying to be creative. Like the reason I do what I do is because I get to wake up in the morning and go, I want to do something like this today. And I just get to do it, which is pretty amazing. I don't want to be like, okay, what do I have to do today? I don't
1: want to be in that situation. And it might not be as current as slime, um, but it's still current, right? Like you're taking issues that are important to us right now. You're taking like, um, big issues, big tent issues, like the pandemic, you must have done at least a couple dozen videos that sort of relate around that topic. So it's not like you're not current. Um, you know, like. They would be asking you to do like a Joe Rogan video or something like that now, probably, right? Like, well, there's a like little that.
0: bit of that, yeah. I mean, like, I you know, I have a podcast, and it's very much just a conversational podcast, and it's kind of it's there's going to be another aspect of the podcast that's going to be a bit more current affairsy and a bit more uh, zeitgeisty uh, as opposed to just conversations, and um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But there is that notion of like, you know you look at your Russell brands and your Joe Rogan's and they're very good at what they do. It's not for me, but they're very good at what they do. And I find it a little bit, it's like, I, I sort of feel, and all those types of people, I sort of feel like, I feel like probably could pretend to do that for one or two episodes <laughs> and do it really, really well. Um, but I just don't, the,
1: I don't feel good about it. The Russell brand one is like, is I, like, I, I, I was noticing on Twitter, I guess starting maybe three months ago or something. We're posting constantly about Russell Brand. What happened to Russell Brand? Well, what's going on with him? Oh, yeah. And I don't know if he's changed or if we've changed. Um like th- there's and even the Joe Rogan stuff, like I, I have a hard time, and then we might um differ on this. Uh, I have mm-hmm. a hard time blaming Joe Rogan for things because he says mm-hmm. shit on his podcast. I just have a hard time doing it. Sure. I I grew up. Do you remember Charles Barkley had that deal with Nike and his entire tagline for the entire campaign was, I'm not a role model. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm, I'm very much like, I don't agree with a bunch of stuff that Joe Rogan says. I don't hate him, but I also don't think that he is like the cause of people dying from ivermectin overdoses. Right. You know? And so I have a heart. And again, I feel like it's polarization. I feel like if you either hate Joe Rogan or you love him and I'm like, I'm like, I, th- I like him as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I don't feel that strongly about him either. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of my view on him as well as like, he, like I said, he's very good at what he does and mm-hmm. I don't have any strong opinions about him I, 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 in particular. I would say if someone said, do you like him? I'd be like, not really. But I mean, that doesn't yeah. matter. I don't have to like him and he doesn't need me to like him. That's fine. Um, but I think that, I used to like uh, him a lot more.
1: I used oh Fear I, I Factor to,
0: was great. Fear Factor and News oh, Radio. I'm not going
1: back that far. But yeah, no, I mean, like I used to like his podcast. Um, right, and, and like I I used to, and the reason why I liked it is because like I've been fucking going on. Like my friends are tired of me talking about polarization because I've been talking about right. it for like 12 years or something. Yeah, 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 and like you know I saw it happening in the states, and I'm like it's happening here, and like blah blah blah. And so, I, what I liked about Joe Rogan is that when he had people on his podcast, like like I never actually sat there and was—is he left wing or is he right wing? Like you know, yeah, he yeah. hunts, yeah, but he also yeah. really likes Bernie Sanders. Like I, you know, yeah. it wasn't something that I thought. Of. And now I feel like we're like, this invisible force is like telling us, ordering us to pick us up. Yeah. Well, I think and it was
0: really that, difficult. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I have to let you no, finish. no, no, uh, I was done. Yeah, go ahead. Um, but I think the thing that's made it really difficult is the fact that uh, when the pandemic hit. I think those of us who kind of got it and understood how viruses work in general, suddenly, but that idea of like, uh, it was no longer a situation of like, we can disagree and that's okay. It was like, we suddenly were forced to care about what everybody did. And it's like, I don't want to yeah. care. I don't want to care what someone does with their own body. Like I, I whatever, man, do your thing. Except now we're in the situation where it's kind of like, well, if those people don't get on board, we're all stuck in the same thing. And it was like, shit, I don't want to actually care about this, but now I have to care. So then it made it, I think people kind of, you know, it made it easy to kind of be like, well, he's, he's a terrible person. It's like, I don't think he's a terrible person. Well, he might be a terrible person. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Him. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like, uh, if this was anything else, like you'd mentioned the ivermectin thing, it's like, if that would be anything else to me. I'd be like, whatever, man, I don't care. Don't get the polio shot. I don't care. Don't get it. It's Mm -hmm. fine. It's up to you. (laughs) Um, But this, it's kind of like, ah, now you're just going to be one of these people traveling around who's going to maybe give it to someone who gives it to someone who ends up giving it to my mom and dad. And then they die. And I'm like, damn it, Um, you know? So that's I think that was the the But Imagine the, the video
1: that... possibilities that you could put no. up. Like
0: Dark black background, soft <laughs> yeah. piano music. I'm there. I'm there. I'm you know, there my already. parents
1: may have died, but I got a half a million hits on this motherfucker. <laughs> that's so I'm right. Pretty happy exactly. About
0: that. This must have cleared about <laughs> two grand in monetization. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's with that? Like, so uh, I, I've, I've heard horror stories about. um, YouTube and like how many millions and millions of views you need in order to make like 10 bucks. Uh, Is there a scale that is, is it different for everybody? Like, or do they have a standardized scale? I, I mean, they kind of have a formula as far as I know,
0: but I mean, that formula has so many variables in it that, um, you know, X might mean this much one day and this much another day and, and topic to topic as well. Um so it's as I was saying like you get up a video that has a million views that makes you 300 bucks and another video with a million views that makes you $3,000. Um it really depends what else is happening. That's one of the interesting things about social media is that you have as a content creator as I was saying you've got a television studio and a network in your pocket. Um, but that also means you're competing with every single other piece of content in the world, meaning like everything on Netflix, everything on terrestrial television, everything on the radio. It's like one of my favorite stories is, uh, which I always keep in my head whenever I release something, and I think it's going to do well and it doesn't do well. I think to myself, okay, it's, it might be the content. It might just be crap. But it also might have nothing to do with the content. It might might be all marketing. So one of my favorite stories is uh, David Hasselhoff, one of my longtime Twitter followers, who I think is fantastic. Um, hey, Dave. And uh, he he had bought Baywatch, and then he had—that was a really smart move— and then he also created, to like capitalize on that, he, he made this TV special, really glitzy, a bit of a 80s, 70s leftover idea, but a glitzy sort of TV special variety show type of thing. And organized and negotiated time, like airtime on a big network, and it was going to be a big deal. And he was so ready. He was so ready. And as that thing was happening, uh, O.J. Simpson and the White Bronco happened the same day. And he was like, nobody watched. Like, nobody watched yeah. it because it was like, who's going to stop watching the Bronco situation, O.J. Simpson, to watch my thing? You know, it's so that I always think to myself, it could have been the best TV special in the world. But because if it yeah. went out on any other day, it could have done crazy numbers. But
1: well, lucky for choose. him, um, his daughter filmed him drunk, eating a hamburger about a decade that's later, right. and it all worked out well. Exactly. <laughs> it's that's the kind of sex tape I would have released, probably Yeah, I have no sex in it. <laughs> It would just be See, booze and brittle, burgers. Brittle star in a burger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, did, you, um, did you... Were you caught up in the OJ stuff? Because I, I, I have a I mean, pleasure. yeah. I used to come home from high school. I was in high school. I used to come home and it was the first... I used to skip high school to, to watch the OJ drop. Well, it was...
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was such a huge cultural thing that was happening. And it was like... I think it was sort of the, like a precursor to how we're so aware of, of, uh, celebrities lives now as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously murder is a pretty big one. That's one that you, it's hard to hide. Um, (laughs) but I mean, uh, I, you know, it was one of those situations where you're like, but he's, he was a great, he's a great athlete. And, uh, one of my favorite scenes ever in film is this the opening scene of Naked Gun where he gets shot a million times and then has like that really long d- death scene where he, like Bax puts his hand in a cake, goes against wet paint, puts his hand in a hot stove and uh, everything's like these, <laughs> yeah, exactly, these sort of small yeah. horriblenesses that have happened, but he's already been shot like a million times. Yeah. And uh, it's one of the best scenes ever. And you're like, damn it, that
1: guy's a murderer? Oh, that sucks. I know. Uh, it was also how cable news took its... um like they they took all their lessons from OJ, right? Like that's yeah. why everything that happened, um, every big story that happened since then was saturated to death, you know, uh, for for weeks and weeks on end. Like, uh, you know, the Jean Benet Ramsey, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like you know, sure. it was just constantly there. Um, it destroyed news. You know, I was going through journalism school just after that, yeah. just after the OJ stuff, and um, and I remember looking at my professor like crooked eyed because he you know, reiterated basically what I thought cable news was, which is if it bleeds, it leads. Like he, he still used that phrase in 1996. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and then what happened is that, um, I I had an assignment. My first assignment was to go talk to a woman whose son and husband just died in a fire. And I couldn't deviate from the list of questions that they gave me. And the very first question was, how do you feel? And I was just like, I can't fucking do this. Like I can't, he's like, you don't want to be a journalist. And I'm like, this isn't a journalist. Yeah. This is a tabloid operator trying to find something that will get readers going, oh, that's awful. And I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. It's really
0: hard. I mean, I mean, this is one of the things that I know a lot of people don't listen. Well, the CBC has lots of faults. They have a lot of faults. I've done a couple of projects with them. They're a very slow moving machine. Um, they are, uh, it, it's a whole thing to work with them and no, but no one's like very few people are getting rich off the CBC. However, one of the things I sort of appreciate uh, about them is uh, two things. Peter Zowski was a CBC radio guy and he said, you know, if we lose the CBC, it'll never happen again, which would be fine for some people. However, I think it'd be a travesty because as well, I remember talking, one of the projects I was working with uh, CBC on, it was for the Olympics and, um, The person who was helping me coordinate these filming times with the athletes, I had said to her, uh, you know, I wish the CBC was more like the BBC and like like creating really exciting stuff and like being really glitzy and successful. And she said to me with in total seriousness, and I respected I was like, what the hell? And then I respected it afterwards. She's like, it's not the CBC's mandate to be glitzy and successful.
1: I was like, that's kind of reassuring, actually. That's kind yeah. of great, yeah. you know, the glitzy part. I don't know about the successful part, but the glitzy <laughs> part, right? Like, yeah. Um, I was gonna ask you. I, I was actually gonna ask you uh, if, uh, cause, cause when I, I showed uh, a couple clips to my wife and she was like, I'm, I'm you know, he looks familiar, and uh, and also uh, my sister as well, and they both asked me the same thing: Is he on? Um, uh, this hour is twenty-two minutes, or Air Force, or whatever. And I'm like, I have no idea, but I don't think so. But I was, I was really curious because I, I feel like it's impossible that you haven't been given like an offer of some sort for, for, to play a role on one of those CBC shows. No, would I? No, they don't, you
0: know? they don't want to talk to me, man. They don't, not at all. They're too scared of my power. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That's right. It's, I think there's, the there's, there's actually really media. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's a massive divide between traditional media and social media, like a massive divide. Uh, and, and, uh, I think it used to be the case where I think it's because of rather the people in social media or content creators used to really be like, I'm going to use social media as a stepping stone, a stepping stone to, uh, to traditional media. And I think it became pretty evident fairly quickly. It's kind of like, no, I don't really want to, I mean, I've been offered a, a half hour, two half hour shows. Um, and I'm like, no, I don't know if I want to do that. sounds like a lot of work and someone else gets to decide what goes on the air. That sounds crappy. Oh. I don't want to do that. They didn't give you creative control? Well, even if you have creative control, there's someone who can veto it. It doesn't matter. So you can make whatever you want. It just might not go to air. And then they be like, well, you need to do something else because that's not happening.
1: Um, Stuart, do and... they know who the fuck you are? <laughs> Apparently not, James. <laughs> yeah, well, Damn it. At least a little bit they do. Um, before I let you go, I wanted to like um, – I I opened with that whole Ryan Reynolds thing. Yeah. And the reason why I opened with that, actually, is because I watched The Adam Project the day before I saw that clip. hmm I fucking cried. <laughs> I know. I know. And I, was, and I was like, and I literally thought until I saw your clip, I'm like, I, I got to keep this to myself because I don't think anyone else <laughs> cried. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. It was all the family shit. It was all the father-son yeah. stuff. It was oh, like, yeah. You know, because I I, I didn't have a greatest dad and we were estranged when he died. And like, you know, my mission in life is to be a decent enough dad for my kids to like make sure that they follow everything their mom does and ignore me. But like, I, I, you know, wow, I couldn't believe that. First of all, I'm crying in a Ryan Ryan Reynolds movie, which is embarrassing enough, right? But but it was powerfully sad. It was like, I think that the only one. Yeah, it was like a sucker punch, right?
0: Because his films are always sort of like a bit sort of cocky and, uh, you know, smug and I didn't sarcastic. cry in Deadpool, you know? No, exactly. Not one tear shed in Deadpool. Yeah,
1: a lot um, more death. Didn't cry well. well
0: um, <laughs> one or two. Didn't cry at all. Um, but then this one was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, I mean, that's what, I think that's why I liked the film, which was good. It was, I mean, it was obviously kind of an homage t- to so many other films like, you know, Empire Strikes Back and Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy and, uh, you know, Back to the Future and all that kind of stuff, um, but I mean that's great. There's no, I mean, who cares? That's that's usually you get the best stuff when you do homages, so that's that's fantastic to me.
1: And I think uh, Ryan Reynolds um, might be, if he's not the inventor, he's the perfector of the, where there's like a second or a half second in the movie where real life peeks in and then gets out a second. So so when he's like, you mean like Biff and Back to the Future? And he's like, don't yeah <laughs> and and that's for us right because it's like, totally don't bring up other yeah and yeah, i like that I, I, I don't think anyone else does that the way he does but
0: oh he's i mean he's a he's a crazy super nice guy and mm-hmm. phenomenally generous in so many different ways and uh and crazy talented as well. I mean, you know I have a we have s and G which is a, a a line of like vodka that's like got a hint of butter tart flavor to it. and the reason we started doing that is because he had sent me a case of his aviation gin and I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. so that's you know I, I admire him a lot. even though he's younger than me, I look up I look up to him so
1: yeah well he's very tall. He's he, very
0: tall It's like six four maybe I think you're that's not tall, tall. enough. I'm no, well, thanks for saying that, James. I really appreciate I'm that. I'm um, 5'6",
1: dude. Trust me. It's okay. You're gonna oh, be well, that's good. Out. I'm 5'10".
0: There you go. <laughs> oh, okay, well, good. They, I always <laughs> think that the
1: guys that are... I'm like, this guy's got to be 5'4". No, 5'10". <laughs> I'm still the shortest guy in the world. So. Um, <laughs> Stuart Reynolds, a.k.a. Brittle Star. Dude, it was amazing having you on the show. Um, I suggest everyone out there to continue to uh, to watch his videos. I think um, I think what you're doing is not only really creative and and fucking hilarious but um sorely needed uh in this day and age and uh i thank you for joining me here on black bolt thanks so much rob man it was lots of fun no problem man we'll talk to you soon um i i love him i do i love him i love Stuart reynolds um he's a he was a great guest uh I, i i strongly suggest everyone uh if you haven't already familiarize yourself with brittle star um he's that good and, um, and yeah, uh, I, it was a thrill having him on, uh, tomorrow on Black Bald, I will sit down with a controversial veteran journalist, Sue Ann Levy. And we have a lot to talk about, including, uh, uh the latest sort of chapter in, uh, the ongoing Mike Bullard saga. Um, and, uh, yeah, don't miss that. Cause that'll be fun. Uh, Thanks again for uh, joining me, Stuart Reynolds, aka Brittle Star, and we'll talk soon. Okay, cheers, buddy.
0: sexy. Catch Catch us us on on the the Dean
1: Blundell Network. Network. Or on our YouTube channel.
0: Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because Because democracy
1: democracy, is is
2: something you do. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five
1: podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana.